So quick question, Jen. Do you like being married to a swim coach? Yeah. Excellent. I don't know any different. Um, no. Ah, much better. Now, get ready for an uncivilized discussion about faith. Welcome Welcome to to the the Barbarian Barbarian Prophets. Welcome back, Barbarian Nation. I'm so glad that you're able to join me again on the same weekend because I'm going to put two shows out as we head into this weekend. One is with Dave Denniston, but then the true famous and the only person that I am just really, really overjoyed in being related to, which is his wife, Jen. So welcome to the Barbarian Prophet, Jen. Thanks for having me. Um, so uh, one of the things uh, that folks that listened to the last episode, they uh, your husband had said that you were a traveling nurse for a long time and that you have some special skills. And uh, you may not see them as special, but I'll guarantee you every person that you've come in contact with have been thankful for the skills that you've been able to provide. So what's been the key part of your goal? I mean, what your your career? Um, I think I kind of fell into nursing in college and then I found I really enjoyed it. I liked helping kids or people get better, but primarily kids. And I've just wanted to help people, I think in the end, um, and do the best that I can and knowing that I can't do everything and just do the best that you can with right. helping as many people as you can. Right. So, I, I mean, so you started in college. Where did you go to college at? The University of Wyoming. Oh, you went to UW. Yep. Okay. And so when you were going to UW, uh, what was your initial thing? What were you going to take in college? Um, I was on the track to potentially be an athletic trainer. Oh, that's why you you liked athletic guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get that part. So you are, you were going to be an athletic trainer. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that so it, what would an athletic trainer do? What do they do? Um, it would be working with sports teams, um, kind of on the medical side of things. But right. So if they're injured, you help them recover, yeah. help put their muscle back into right shape, or if they've strained a strained tendons, et cetera. Yeah. Right. Well, that makes sense. There's good money in that. You would think, but but I think it's questionable. It's questionable. <laughs> nice. I think it depends who you ask. <laughs> well, it depends on if you've got a job or not a job, right? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so then, what tripped you into into uh, becoming a nurse? Because I mean, as you're doing that, that's medical track, so that mm-hmm. makes sense. And then you became an you wanted into nursing for what reason? Um, I actually then kind of like decided maybe I wanted to go into pediatrics in some capacity, which the only one I really knew of is a physician. And it happened to be my home physician uh, that kind of was like, you know what, you can do that, but you should really go to nursing school. And then you could work your way through med school if you wanted to. And I'd never... I guess I've been blessed in the fact that like I never had anybody really close to me that was sick or in the hospital for a long time. So I don't think I knew what nurses really did. They work hard (laughs) is what they do. Uh, The doctors get all the glory. 
Okay. And the uh, that's I know this. I seen this. Uh, the doctors get all the glory cuz they're like, "Well, this is what he needs." And they write it. But I thank God for good nurses. That is no kidding. So, I'm glad that you do this. Well, and then I don't know, it kind of like sparked the idea and I said, "Okay, sure. Like, let's let's take this track and the rest is history." <laughs> okay. So, it is history, but let's tap into that history for a minute. So, then as you started down this uh, road, you uh, pediatrics, okay, mm-hmm. working with, with littles. How little are we talking? Um, generally anywhere from 34 weeks uh, to adults. Okay. And then, uh, so you had a specific thing that you dealt with in these kids. And how do you, it was it heart, right? Yep. Okay. So when you're dealing with their heart, how did you come to be in that profession because that is not just pediatrics i mean that is a very specific thing you were dealing with um i knew i wanted to be in pediatrics i knew i loved the intensive care side of things or i thought i did and i i don't know it sounded interesting i honestly didn't have any experience with it and i just was like oh let's try this right and it it turned into something that I absolutely loved and I would never change what I do. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't, I kind of just, again, it was like, Oh, let's throw a dart. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and it worked out really well. <laughs> well, that's good. So, uh, you traveled around, you were a traveling mm-hmm. nurse and you traveled to same, same style thing in each hospital you were at. Yeah. Uh, I imagine that for, pediatric health specialists especially in the intensive end of this there's not a ton of people in that business um no it is pretty small world it is a pretty small world so you're dealt with the heart Mm -hmm. i just want to know if you ever ran into this guy just give this guy a listen real quick we did it i I don't want to be raining on your parade you're not going to live forever i'm not stupid lucius no one lives forever no one but with uh, advances in modern science, my high-level income, I mean, it's not crazy to think I can't live to be 245, maybe 300. Heck, I just read in the newspaper they put a pig heart in some guy from Russia. You know what? I mean, you know what that means? No, I don't know what that means. I guess longer life. Well, no, he didn't live. Oh, he didn't live? No. Oh. It's just okay. exciting that we're trying things like that. Yeah. But you guys never tried nothing like that, right? No. No. <laughs> thank goodness. Thank goodness. <laughs> You know, uh, I love when I listen to that little bit and piece. And the reason I do is because I have a guy that could record that. His name, he, he was on a show on our show here a couple weeks ago. And uh, he sounds exactly like, uh, you know, Ricky Bobby. You yeah. know? <laughs> so anyway, let's go back to you. Uh, key thing is you start working with hearts. You start working with uh, why did the hearts become so fascinating to you? Um, so there was a big part of it that is really fascinating. Kids want to get better, right? Like, and if they don't, that's, they're kind of like trying to like, just wait for their parents to be okay with passing away or whatever. Okay. Um, but kids want to get better and that's so fun to take care of somebody that wants to get better. Yeah. Um, and they don't want to be in the hospital. They don't want to be sick they don't want to they want to be a kid yeah they want to be a kid and they want to be normal and then 
The other part that I think retrospectively I loved about the piece of nursing, like the cardiac part of it, is it's nothing that kids did to themselves. It's nothing that parents did to children. It's just the way you were born. Right. So Um, what's one of the key things that uh, when you have a kid brought into you, let's say like a a one-year-old, okay? okay. You bring in a one-year-old that's having severe heart issues. Um, So what is that? Roll us through what that looks like. Um, It really depends on... Um, If they were at home beforehand, they might have had to come in through the operating room and have some sort of surgical repair on their heart. Okay. Um, Some of them, it's they they might be in like a form of heart failure and they come in just sick. Right. So there's different ways that one-year-olds can come in. But um, usually if they came in through the operating room, they have a lot of like tubes and wires and drips and other things and... A lot of those times you're helping the parents deal with looking at a very what looks like a very sick child. Right. Where they brought them in feeling like their kid looked healthy, but right. they have to go through this to truly get better. Right. But kids are amazingly resilient. And especially at like one, it obviously depends on the like surgical repair that they had and how complex it might be, but they can be in and out of the like ICU part of things in 48 hours. Okay. Well, you know, one of the things is with um, <clears throat> when we look at a one-year-old, the reason I, I utilize that is because they can't tell you a lot. No. <clears throat> they can't say, I don't feel good. This doesn't hurt, etc. So you've got to kind of feel your way through all of that. So how does that work out for you? I mean, when you're looking at that, I know this is a hard question, right? Yeah. Because you you have to have something that extends beyond you to look into that. Oh, absolutely. Um, the The scientific part of it would say, depending on which monitoring things that they have on, uh, we can tell if their heart rate is higher, if their blood pressure is higher, um, if they're awake or sleeping when these uh, vital signs change, we can tell like maybe they're in pain. There is a lot of guessing. And then at one, sometimes you're like, I think they just miss mom and dad. Right. So part of being in a children's hospital is if we can, we try to get parents in to like help do all of those things or ask parents like, what do they like? What what can we do to help comfort them? Um, it's a lot of working within having some experience in what, signs to look for in pain versus discomfort dis- or just like not wanting to be there versus actual problems. Right. Um, and some of that is experience you right. learn. Um, but yeah, one is tricky because it is sometimes a guessing game of like, I've given them some Tylenol or I've given them some sort of pain medicine. I've, turn them i've given them their blanket i've put on a like movie that they might like or music or something now i'm not sure what else to do well that that (laughs) makes sense so uh with that (coughs) so all of a sudden you got um when we brush away all the machinery we brush away all the science of things now let's talk about your faith in these moments I'm ready. You had oh. some, You have something right on the cusp. 
So you, when you when you introduced your your faith in this, because you were you were raised in the Roman Catholic Church. Yes. Kate uh, went to church pretty much most of your life. Did you go through catechism? I did. You did. You were confirmed. <laughs> I was. <laughs> you were baptized as an infant. Yes, I was. <laughs> <laughs> On the eighth day. I'm just kidding. Anyway, uh, you, uh, uh, your parent. How how far back do your generations go in the Catholic Church? All the way. As far as I know. <coughs> Sorry about the cough. No worries. <laughs> as far as I know, back, I know at least my grandparents, and I don't know my grand- grandparents, but I'm guessing that they yeah. were all Catholic. So your relationship with Christ, how often does that come into this? Into work? Yeah, into work. Probably every day that I'm there, and probably days that I'm not there, but... I think it's, I I have a hard time almost separating, separating it yeah, or figuring, you can't, or you figuring can't out separate. where it comes in or how it helps. But I think it's like always there. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably I think sometimes where it comes in maybe the most is helping deal with some of the sadness and some of the like things that don't go well at work right? to like continue to want to do this and continue to be a healthy person outside of work. Right. And I think that's probably where some of my faith probably comes in the most, honestly, is helping me deal and process with things that don't go perfectly. Right. And there's a lot of that in this. Yeah. Because it, well, the human body can only take so much and a small body can only take so much. So I can only imagine how often you've had to deal with a few of that. And in dealing with uh in dealing with parents having to watch your kid go through that is very very hard. And uh but I mean that's one of the other things that I just truly really appreciate about you is because you have that type of compassion and uh not uh not everybody has that. I mean, I, that's one thing I wish I had. I don't have any compassion. My, I, I feel sorry for my parishioners sometimes because they're like, they need a pastor, you know, the hug them pastor, the, it's going to be okay. I do you're you're you going to be fine. You know, you know the person, right? You are one of them people. You can help. Surprisingly at work, I'm not the hugging person. See, I'm not the hugging person. I'm like, suck it up, man. We got to keep moving here. Oh, I know. This is sad. I feel sad. I feel sad for you. But we got to keep moving. Yeah. And uh, I know that that's interesting. You say that uh, that is not who you are at work. So explain that. <laughs> explain that. I, <coughs> I am probably compassionate. I am not a huggy, touchy-feely person to right. strangers. Right, and, right. Um, generally I feel like parents aren't looking for that either. No, they need Um, a professional. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I don't know. I, I think I have at least developed the things of the way you're supposed to say things or maybe more realistic of like, here's what's happening at this moment. Um, we have these resources if you need them, but I'm not like the huggy, touchy, feely, right. going to cry in the corner with you kind of person. And some of that is probably self-preservation, um, you know, to continue to be able to care for more families and right. more children is 
not getting overly involved in the emotions of that moment. Right. Getting pulled into, um, into the, the uh, a down thing or a spot because you, you have to maintain that professional end of things. So it makes yeah. good sense. I like that. Thanks for that advice. Uh, cause that gives me an excuse. I mean, an advice. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so, um, so in those days that things don't go right, how do you process afterwards? Um, and, and you know, the hard one, the hard stuff. Usually, this is before my husband, but usually it was calling my mom, calling my sister, and or just telling them, like, hey, I love you. Just And then they would always know. They're like, hey, are you okay? Do you want to talk? Like, whether it was a text or whatever. Right. Um, sometimes I didn't. I just wanted to say, like, hey, I love you. I'm thankful for you. Um, right. And then, I don't know, taking time to kind of, like, reflect on it afterwards. Right. Um, a lot of our kids, by the time that bad, like sad things had happened or they pass away, it's generally been a process. It wasn't like one day they were fine and the next day they (coughs) weren't. Right. Um, so sometimes too, it, it's hard because it, you feel sad for the family, but the kid was in pain or suffering or right. any of those things. And you're like, they are in a better place. Um, so it's usually just taking time to like reflect on how grateful I am for the things in my life mm-hmm. to take that moment to be like decompress, think about be sad, whatever it is you need to do. Um, but Pro- usually process it yeah, a little pro- bit. Process the emotion. Yeah. you Yeah. Because if you, if you become emotionless, then then you're of no use. <laughs> Correct. But a lot of it was just, you know, sending that message or calling my parents and my sister and just saying like, hey, I love you. Today sucked. <laughs> Today. It was a bad day. Yeah. I've had bad days. And and I think sometimes just acknowledging that, hey, today sucked. This was not like what I signed up to do. But I also know that it's part of my job. Right. So then let's head bounce to the other end. So you get these great success stories. Okay. You get this kid. You've yeah. taken all your way through. He was 12 years old. We didn't know he'd make it or not. He makes it to the other end. How often do you get to see those kids after? Hopefully never. You hope they never come back to the hospital. <laughs> yep. There are a lot of those too, where we do surgery. I never see them again. And that's and okay. That's the greatest thing. <laughs> I feel the same way in prison ministry. <laughs> yeah. I have baptized them and they've not come back to the prison. This is excellent. Yeah. It's it's one of those things that honestly, the less I see kids that I've taken care of, the better their life is probably. Excellent. You know, now. Right. So, so uh, now uh, you've kind of taken a new role. You're doing yeah. a new thing now. Now, how long did you do that? Um, I did the the bedside nursing for f- almost 15 years. Wow, that's a pretty good chunk of time. Yeah. And that's a lot of ups and downs, a lot of emotional things all over the place, <laughs> et cetera, and a ton of knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you gained certain skills by being around it every day. Yes. That you actually put to use in your job today. Yeah. So give us a rundown of the work you do now. So essentially, I work for the same heart institute 
and there are national database registries that kind of work together to do quality improvement for children. Right. So pediatric cardiac is such a small population that in order to get numbers, to get figure out good outcomes, we have to collaborate with the entire country, right? which is about 70 centers that participate in these registries. So pretty, like still, even when you go across the country, this is a very small group. Right. It's 70. There's less than 100 (laughs) of these centers for our entire nation. Yeah. Of, uh, you know, when you, well, A, praise God that we don't have to have 500 of these. Yes. Right. And the other thing is, is that uh, with, when you stop and, I mean, I'm I'm wrapping my mind around that right now because we, you know, we have, you know, 300, almost four, 300 plus million people in the country, right? Right now, we don't know exactly how many people. They're about to do that uh, survey again. Yep. <clears throat> and then we'll see how much the country has grown or shrunk. And uh, But even out of that, there's only 70 places available with your kid is having this struggle. So it would be important for those to work together. And you're part of the team helping pull all that together. Yes. So yeah. essentially, it's a giant collaborative is truly what it's called um, to improve patient care in pediatric cardiology. So explain what you do. You enter in a lot of information per case. Um, yes. So every every person that comes through our cardiac ICU and our step-down unit um, mm-hmm. are entered into this database and there are very specific things we're looking for. And some of them are events that happened or complications that happened, but these have to fit a very specific definition that has been put together by these registries. So we are all comparing the same thing because with anything, terminology changes or what one person says is this complication, another person would say no. So there are definitions. So we end up digging through a lot of charts um, to find which kids fit these specific things. And then you can actually reach out to centers that are doing really good within this. If your center is not doing great in a specific area, you can reach out to another center that is doing great. And you can say like, hey, what are you guys doing that is preventing infection? Right. Um, so those kind of things. <clears throat> so uh, that is a great way to, to communicate that stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm 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 wrapping my mind around what you're doing, and and I, I don't know that you are necessarily seeing the extreme importance of what you're doing. Sure, but that information that you are providing between those doctors, one of the key things that you're able to bring to the table is 15 years worth of experience in working with these specific kinds of cases, right? Yeah. So uh, at these other, how many people do what you currently do? Um, at my center, I'm the only full-time person, and then there's two other people that help me in each registry. Okay, and then what is, do they have a background? Uh, yep, <clears throat> we're all somehow involved in pediatric cardiology. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, I, that becomes just so important, and <clears throat> I think there comes a point where, You've gotten to a point in your career where you need something a little different. Yeah. Because you, you suffer burnout. 
Yes. Yeah, uh, in some cases, and not, I'm not saying this with you, but I am saying in some cases you start, I, I've seen nurses where they start to suffer from PTSD. Sure. And they start to struggle with some things. And uh, I've seen this in uh, uh, EMTs. Yeah. That they hit a, there are certain people that are cut for that job and there are certain people that are, do good at that job, but they weren't really cut for that job. Make sense? Very much so. So, and then on the other end, is that as you start to take a look at uh, what I would encourage my listeners to do is to take a look at the profession you have. And is there another, if you're, if you're needing to step out of that, is there another way you can apply those skills to assist people mm-hmm. and kind of move you in a different direction? So that's, that's a beautiful thing you're doing there. It is. It was another one of those kind of random feeling things that just happened to work out in my favor. <laughs> I think it's funny how you and Dave both think that everything happens randomly. I'm going to tell you something right now. We call that, uh, you know, that is a direction of the Holy Spirit. And that is what he has called you guys into numerous different things. Because both of you work with young people. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> both of you have... Um, always been called to help people build up into much more than they are which is which is a beautiful thing and uh you know uh now how long have you two been married uh just over five years just over five years already man it's hard to believe that's already taken place (laughs) and uh so what do you, you know you do all of these things with uh, uh, the cardiology stuff. You're, you've got this new job rolling, et cetera. What, what about going back to the medical school to get that doctor thing? You ever think about doing that? Nope. Nope. Not even that <laughs> kind. I can tell you, if you guys could see her face right now, you know that's never happening. Nope. <laughs> that's okay. That's me going back to the oil field. Nope. Not happening anymore. Yep. Um, so as you, as you move forward with your lives, what's your, what's your next step? Do you think, or do you just let it happen? Um, I feel like we just let it happen. I, I don't really know. We, I think we're both pretty happy. I'm very happy in my new job. Mm -hmm. My work-life balance is great. Um, Dave truly does love what he does. He does. And he's awesome at it. He's so good at it. And, and you have, uh, you on occasion have to have home child care. Is that correct? (laughs) Uh, Wednesday, this Wednesday before Thanksgiving was probably the first time I worked from home that he was home with me. Right. And I was a little concerned about my productivity because I didn't have quote unquote child care for him. <laughs> you you got to have child care for Dave. You should He did great. Yeah, he did good. He yeah, did, he played he did. well by himself. He did. he did okay. He brought me breakfast. <laughs> wow, that's good. Yeah. That's that's pretty good child care right yeah. there. And he and he put himself down for a nap and everything. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that is good. That's excellent. <laughs> and um so you guys have uh you were kind of bouncy when you were still nursing. You were going down to Colorado, Mm -hmm. and he was staying at the university. Yes. And then you guys, on your days off, you'd come home. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that uh, it's a lot better now that you guys get to see each other every single day. Yeah, Right. for sure. Yeah. (laughs) But I tell you what, some of that there uh, also builds a very strong marriage, is that you guys uh, rely on each other so much, even when you're away from each other, that you 
that you know that other person is there for you. That's beautiful. Absolutely. And uh, so you don't know what your plans are for the future. You just like to have have that happen. So let me ask you about your uh, about your entertainment because okay. you you have a unique entertainment. Sports. <laughs> I'm going to go to the Jeep driving. Oh, oh, our <laughs> Yeah, yours, your, both of your entertainment, because you are definitely into that, too. Oh, for sure. That was the very first thing I remember when Dave was talking to me about you, when he was telling me, hey, I'm going to ask her. It's gonna, She's the one. And I was like, oh, okay, right on. And I think I'd met you just once at that point. And I said, yeah, man, she's she's beautiful. She's going to be an excellent wife, I think. And great. He goes, yeah, but she's she's really into Jeeps. <laughs> it's like you don't own a jeep bro he goes but i, I i'm gonna get one <laughs> that's when i converted him that's when i knew you were the one <laughs> so go on with you with your you were kind of raising a jeep loving family right you guys are yeah. off-roaders you guys are out in the in the woods kind of people yep or at least that's been my impression of your family oh for sure my my dad definitely he grew up Learned how to drive on a Jeep that didn't have a starter in it. <laughs> so you just parked, learned, learned parked to park it on, on a hill. hill. Um, <laughs> I love it. And then both my sister and I learned how to drive on a CJ5. Uh, but yeah, Jeeping has always been something my dad has really enjoyed. And bless my mom, she will do whatever adventure or crazy stuff my dad asks her to do. She will just come along for the ride. So That's awesome. So, yeah, we're pretty outdoor-friendly, Jeep-adventurous. You are. You yeah. guys are. I yeah. mean, that that is some of the fun stories I love to hear from you guys. <laughs> yeah. So, um, now you two got married down in Colorado. Yeah. Ouray. Yes. Ouray, Colorado. So, you guys that don't know where that's at, you'll have to look that up on a map. Beautiful, beautiful country, which is hardcore Jeep country up there. Yes. No skiing. No skiing, just ice climbing and and jeeping. Yeah, and ice climbing is a big thing down there. Yeah, um, I don't. I, you know, a lot of people. If you're if you're from back east, that's not really a super popular thing. I think unless you're in upper state New York, that would make sense. Or or places like that. But out here, that's kind of a big thing. Yeah, I think so. It, well, it I I. The only reason I say it is because I know numerous people that do it, and I'm like, that's odd that I would know people that do ice climbing. Bert, would you like? I don't even like going outside when it's cold. I'm a biker. Okay, here's a couple of things with bikers. Okay, let's let's. I am convinced. I know people ask me, Bert, do you believe in aliens? I said yes. I believe aliens created winter because they hated bikers. That's that's really the truth. They're motorcycle hating aliens out there. So. So some of those crazy bikers that I know, they started ice climbing. So that is something I know. So that's just weird. Yeah. Because uh, I don't know any ice climbers. I just know a few places to do it. <laughs> don't do it. No. <laughs> I, 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 I've buried two of them. I, oh. I know. They, it, that's a dangerous game. Yeah. I mean, you got to know how to... Crawling on ice is a big thing. And not a fan. <laughs> okay. I don't know why we're on this <laughs> subject. Let's move on. So, uh, uh, but, uh, you know, as we start to move through uh, the Jeep end of things mm -hmm. and you get out there, when you guys got married, you had an old Jeep. Oh, the Jeepster. Yeah. The Jeepster. So fill me in on what was the story with the Jeepster? Um, honestly, my dad saw one 
sort of for sale. So they're, I think they were only made for like a couple of years in like the 1940s, I want to say, trying to make Jeep a more like family friendly option. Cause back in the day, Jeep did not have the four door fancy road jeeping that we have now no they were uh military yes for sure but they were trying to get into this like family friendly or more family friendly style so they created this jeepster right uh which isn't actually at all like a jeep i would not take this (laughs) off road (laughs) no i would not take that off road either but it's cool looking (laughs) it's super cool um i think my dad was coming home from on his way back from someplace in Colorado, and he saw one for sort of sale because they are rare. As he explained, when he went to talk to the guy about buying it, he said it was more like an interview to adopt uh, the car. <laughs> I, I get it. I, I, I feel the same way when I sell a motorcycle. Exactly, yeah. Are you qualified to, <laughs> you know, caress, love, and put to bed on a regular basis this little motorcycle? I get it. I yeah. get it. Yeah, and I think some of it was uh, the guy that owned it previously, I think, wanted somebody that was going to take care of it, but probably still drive it a little bit. Right. You know, don't just... They didn't want it to be a museum piece. Yep, and so I think that's kind of what my dad has done with it, but it is such a neat, fun car, and it's so unique uh, that that was like the one thing that I really wanted for my wedding, but I didn't think it would be like possible to get it down there to Ure and... Sure enough, there it was when yep. I when I was down there. So. I remember that was a great surprise. <laughs> it was so. Um, so you're uh, as we said earlier, you grew up in the Catholic faith. Yeah. Okay, and and you like most Catholics I know will say I'm a terrible Catholic. I, <laughs> I only go to church at these times. No, you're you're like every other Christian out there. Just so you're aware, so don't no shame there. Um, how much do you think you're you're uh, your faith has played into decisions you've made in life. Has it played much into it? What's your relationship with Christ? How does that work for you? Um, I feel like I have a good relationship with Christ, with God. I was luckily raised in a family that my mom, both my parents were Catholic, but all my mom wanted is she's like, I just want you to believe in something. It right. doesn't have to be Catholicism. It doesn't have to be this. But she's like, I want you to grow up and believe in something. Right. Um, which was always nice. Like, it was nice to have that choice. But they were driving, or my mom was driving, so the Catholic Church it ended up being. Um, but I wouldn't say, I feel like it's probably there with you, with me more often than I even realize. Right. You know, it's just part of who you are. And I think your decision-making, especially if you've been involved in some sort of faith for a very long time, I don't know that you think about. Right. It just it, becomes natural yeah. responsiveness. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's um, fair enough. So I, I think that's kind of a cop-out answer too. No, but. I don't think it's a cop-out. I think <laughs> that what you're saying is what a lot of people feel. They're like, well, Christ has always been a part of my life. And part of my decision-making is always based on, and I don't necessarily immediately go, uh, let me check the Bible and make sure that's okay. <laughs> it is, you trust your gut, you trust yeah. the Holy Spirit inside of you, 
to you knowing something's wrong. Yes. I think that's the biggest thing, right? Is like you you might not make perfect decisions and you might make wrong decisions. Right. But you yeah, you know. You right. know when you're making a bad decision. Right. And so what you do in turn with there is when you're making good decisions, you also start taking a look at uh, this is the way of Christ. I mean, this is this is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. And, and one of the reasons I, I bring this up is that even with uh, your care for for these kids and stuff over time, you were always you've always done well at least Jen in all of our conversations and etc is that your goal has always been to serve other people yeah i i have never once seen you and this is from me to you my sister is that i've never once seen you be a self-serving person oh, is that you. what you do is you you have always had whoever is around you your heart is with that person um because uh, you have a beautiful way of looking at people and, and approaching people. And I just, I admire that in you. Well, and, thank you. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the other part of that is, is that as you're, and, and that uh, most people miss what it takes to be an everyday Christian. It doesn't take a lot of, it doesn't take, I go to church five times a week. <laughs> I made morning maritimes and I made evening vespers. I made sure that I put the proper ash on my head on the proper day, et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) It's about, but it is about uh, giving yourself into the lifestyle of living for Christ. And I think you do that quite well, just so you know. Well, thank you. And uh, so then my question uh, also with with the... Catholic faith is you're married to a Lutheran guy. Sure am. Which is, <laughs> he's unapologetically Lutheran. We, we know that. Missouri Senate. And they, uh, I always joke with the Missouri Senate things uh, <clears throat> because, uh, you know, and then there's us other Lutherans. You know? <laughs> and uh, the, um, the thing, though, is both of you walk such the same line with your faith. And that both of you have never, ever felt challenged that you need to join my church and he's never felt like you need to join his church to identify yourself as those type of uh, that person or that denomination. Uh, it's been more based in uh, you both have a love for Christ and it's important yes. to both of you. Yeah. Agreed. And so how? tell me a little bit, how does that work? Do you guys, when you, uh, when when it comes to making decisions about certain times of the year, let's just say Christmas is coming right up. So how do you decide on which church you're going to? Depends on whose house you're at. No, we're always at my house for Christmas Eve. And as those, <laughs> so it's Catholic church. As those bad Catholics, we don't go to Christmas Eve mass. <laughs> uh, this is where our yeah, show has to yeah. end, folks. I, I just... I. I just, I don't even have a window for this lady. What do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean you don't go to evening mass as a, as a family of good, uh, uh, of good, uh, you know, I, it, yeah, I know. <laughs> the more you know about a person, the less you should. Okay. Moving back to our show. Um, so, uh, man, that's some of the, you know, when I first got out of jail, yeah. And I'm saved. Yeah. 
that that year, I say, well, uh, I put up. I hated Christmas. Oh sure. Because I hated Christians. Okay. Sure. So my wife would make demands of me every year in the early part of our marriage that it was out of tradition, not out of belief, and she wanted a Christmas tree, and I'm like, I don't want to. You know, if we're going to do this, I was pagan, you know. If we're going to do this, it'll be a Yule tree, and we ain't having no damn Christmas tree, and, I, you know, so on and so on. We'll be celebrating Odin. We ain't celebrating any of this Jesus freak, and so on and so forth. And But when I came out of jail, and I was on fire for Jesus, man, I, I look forward to Christmas. And the very what I, I would go to every Christmas service available. Sure. You know, my wife was not going with me, just so you're aware, in the first three years, because she still was not on board with this Christian thing. But um, I would go to uh, an early evening service, like at a Baptist church or or whoever's having an early evening service. Yeah. But I'd always go to Catholic Midnight Mass. Okay. <coughs> and the only, <clears throat> excuse me, the only reason, it's been cold and I got this cough for some weird reason. <clears throat> time of year it is uh but what ended up happening is until i started preaching christmas eve i would still go to the catholic church sure okay now I, now i now they come to my church so that's good but on the other end is did you ever go to christmas eve service probably if we were ever at my mom's mom so my at your grandma's yeah at my grandma's on my mom's side okay um they were she was the mass daily mass however many you can go to she'll go to all of them did she cover her head i don't remember i don't think so the veil she didn't do a veil i don't think so let me ask you this and this is going to be a weird question are you good with that i mean what the heck it's just between us and these five thousand listeners i mean it's fine i already told you i don't go to evening mass i know and every (laughs) everybody out there is right now praying for you all my catholic friends thank you All my Catholic friends, when you said that, made the sign of the cross immediately. Yes, they did. <clears throat> and started praying in Latin. Except for my mom, but she's probably not listening. But she'd been like, that's my daughter. <laughs> okay, so here's the here's the deal is that uh, I don't remember where I was going. Where were we going? Oh, uh, so my my question is is that when do you go to church do you just randomly go to church with mom or what's the story you do go to church once in a while i know you have to yep and um i think now dave and i go depending on what it is or whose family we're with we go to either catholic or lutheran mass like Mm -hmm. our church no it's mass Um, no, the Lutherans still have mass. I feel me like tell they you, have almost everything, except for a few better rules, maybe. <laughs> or they got rid of a few rules. Yeah, they get, no, the Lutherans, yeah, we just tossed out a few things. Here, Here's the way that we describe Lutheranism, okay, which will probably offend many Lutherans. So we're good with that. <laughs> they, uh, this way that it was described to me is that we had a sock drawer called religion. And and that's the Catholic Church. Yep. You opened up the sock drawer. We took certain socks and set them out. Yep. So we don't need this, and we don't want that, and we don't want that. And then we shut the drawer and said, but we're keeping all the other socks. <laughs> yeah. Okay, right? Are you with me? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and then along comes Bert into the faith, <laughs> and he opens up the drawer, and he goes, wow, these are incredible socks. These are beautiful. These are awesome. These are spectacular. 
we're missing some spaces here. <laughs> Why don't we slide some new socks in there? <laughs> to which in some cases has been very good. and some cases, they have threatened to put me on a pyre and set me on fire. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, for sure. So uh, I get that part. So you guys are, uh, you know, Catholic and Lutheran, very, very similar. Especially if you came to my church, you'd be like, yeah, you're, you're almost there. You know, so I mean, they're, they're very, very similar. In fact, I have numerous couples in my church that are just like you and Dave. Yeah. They are, uh, you know, one of them's a Lutheran, the other one's a Catholic. And uh, the one thing that we have in our church, in our specific uh, Prince of Peace Lutheran church, is open communion. Meaning, if you've been baptized in the Lord and you believe he comes to you in the, uh, in the communion, then you're welcome to take it with us. Which we don't always get that in some Lutheran churches you can't correct and in and in the Catholic Church you cannot yeah that's a big no no yeah right? big no no um, because it it gets down to about proof of belief yeah and a lot of people think that that's cruel okay I'm going to give you my personal opinion I think it's a safety measure uh, I think that the priest is trying to protect the people and he's just wanting to make sure. Uh, that you know that now in the Lutheran faith they end up they call us pastors here in the United States but my friends from Sweden uh, they call us priests okay. still okay because uh, uh, the the Swedish uh, they would call them Pietists for the most part but the truth is is that what they uh, they look very Catholic I mean there okay. is uh, minus the Pope. That's about it. You know, Fair. they got they got everything else, man. <laughs> yeah. They got all kinds of things. They got a bishop. They got all kinds of other things happening. They're just missing a pope, you know. And and they have a couple other debates. But, you know, when it comes down to that, does that, all of those, the, the differences, I won't say all of them because there's very few. Correct. Do you, is that ever a discussion or a debate within your households? I mean, even with mom and dad's involved, et cetera. No. Um, honestly, I think Dave and I both can look at it and be like, we really do believe in the same things or the important pieces of religion or faith or whatever we agree on. And right. so like, we don't need the technical different, like the technical little pieces of the religion. We don't need to like pull apart. And, right. Because probably I'd be like, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, because as you and on other ends, you'd go, I disagree with that. Yeah. You know, that's, that's called being a normal Christian. As you called, uh, or said the Lutherans were like a sock drawer and you pick those out. My my mom used to always refer to herself as a cafeteria Catholic. There were, (laughs) (laughs) I like it. There were certain things that she just, despite growing up in the Catholic school, everything very catholic household all of those kind of things she's just like there are some things i struggle with believing in the religion itself you right know? but not in christ no and see in that at the end of the day that is what the bible calls us to believe yeah. believe in jesus christ he believe in him and live yeah okay and that that's just really what it gets down to. So that that's cool. I mean, I, I get that part. And I think far too often so many people um, have struggles where they are 
they want to dissect everything into a deep theological thought process, et cetera, instead of just loving each other. Oh, for sure. And, you know, Jesus had, <clears throat> he gave us a, the two, two commands I give you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And uh, if we could just stick to those things, they become incredibly important. Yes. You know, um, John, uh, the Apostle John, when he passed, you know, there's you can read all kinds of things with, with this stuff because, you know, who wrote it down? Not really sure. Is that accurate? Not really sure. But, you know, the key thing that he kept telling people at the end of his life, they wanted something deep. Give me yeah. more. John, John, give me more. And John ends up giving them just what Jesus said. Love God. Love people. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if we could hang on to that, it would make such a difference. Yes. Rather than deep theological thinking, if we just did that part, let's just do the one. You yeah. Know? Love God. You won't help but love people. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I really do think that a lot of this work you've done in the past has come out of your love for Christ and that it filled you up enough to where it flowed out onto everybody else, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, another part of that, too, is that as you take a look, I think you're in Dave's relationship when it comes to that is the best way to view it. So yeah. that's, that's great. So give me some last-minute advice for the young person going out to be a nurse, male or female. Ooh. Your first year is probably going to be rough. It does get better, and you make incredible friends out of coworkers. Um, and I don't know. It's a really fulfilling job. And if nothing else, when somebody asks you what you do, and you say, oh, I'm a nurse. Everybody's like, oh, that's so great. <laughs> and you're like, thanks. You know, I had somebody puke on me today. <laughs> yeah, it was great then. I had to clean up somebody's stinky butt. That was great then. That's I don't a, know. You guys do yeah. some of the hardest work. And, and you know, uh, you, I respect your hearts. I truly do. Thanks. Hey, well, I want to tell you, thanks for being on The Barbarian Prophet. Yeah, thanks for having me. How bad was your first interview? Not terrible. Not terrible? That's great. <laughs> Someday I'll get better at doing it. <laughs> you did fantastic. So I just want to say thank you again. Yeah. And we will see you next time Sounds on The good. Barbarian Prophet. For questions or comments, please email us at info at thebarbarianprophet.com. The Barbarian Prophet is a registered trademark of Barbarian Media Group. Listening to this podcast may cause excitability, euphoria, and overall sense of happiness in the realization that you're not alone. Discontinue use if reddened skin or a rash develops. Side effects may include random hugging, crying out loud, smiling while alone, and happy crying combined with snot bubble development. Do not use during church service. No animals were harmed in the making of this podcast. Are you actually still listening? Seriously, we have nothing more to say except for that one thing that was really, really, really important, but let's wait until the next show for that. Yeah, that one more thing we just want to make sure we drop in your ear is that finding a good, solid church that follows the Bible, believes in Christ with all its heart, that's what you need. And when we take a look at each other, let's set aside some of our differences and just start stepping into our love for Christ. And the last thing I'll tell you is that I love you. 
And Jesus loves you, and there's absolutely nothing you can do to stop us.